The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Hey, good morning, family. It's so good to be with you today. And uh, I did see some familiar faces, some of the men that were at the men's retreat last spring. And so that was a true privilege to be there. And so I'm honored to be back and uh, to be in your presence today. Love the student section, bringing the energy, bringing the hype. Gotta love it. Let's give it up for our students right here down in front. Man, love it. So good, man. Hey, uh, today I need everybody to stand up. This is, uh, this is where everybody participates. If you came to church today and you thought, man, I'm just going to kick back. It's Memorial Weekend. Man, I'm going to get everybody involved and engaged. So here's the question I have for you this morning. Sam, even you, buddy. Come on, man. No, I'm playing with you, Sam. You just got comfortable, right? So here's the deal. I want you to think about this question. What's the name of the person who who led you to Jesus, and what were the qualities that you most remember about their life? So if you're, if you're on your journey to, to Jesus and you're not there yet, we are so stoked that you're here today. So it's okay if you're still on that journey, and there might be some people in this room that are building into you. But for those of you that are followers of Jesus, what's the name of the person who was most influential in pointing you to Jesus, and what were the qualities that most impacted you from their life. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to one other person around you, behind you. Uh, you guys could form little huddles. Maybe there's some of you don't know each other as well, but what's, what's that person's name and what are those qualities? All right, ready, break. And if you're here as couples, you have to talk to someone else outside your home. All right, ready, break, turn to somebody, find, find a new friend. All right. Time, time. Don't, don't sit down yet. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to take just a second to celebrate some of these people. So um, I need someone who would be courageous enough to raise your hand and just say the person's name and, and that quality that, that, was, that most marked you by their life. Who uh, who'd be willing to celebrate and honor that person, even if they're not here? Yes. Lewis? Lewis Wallace. Lewis. He was blind and he would still walk through the woods to Wow, come on. Let's give it up for Lewis, man, his great-grandfather. And, and brother, your legacy is still living on as you follow Jesus, as your great-grandfather followed Jesus, man. Let's, we celebrate Lewis's life, man. It's beautiful. Someone from this side, who, uh, who has the name of someone that you just want to celebrate and honor today? Yes, I see that hand. My mom, Clementine. Clementine. What was just one of the many qualities in your mom that most marked you? Come on, Clementine. Let's give it up for Clementine. Gotta love that. Sweet like the Clementine oranges, right? That's awesome, man. All right, someone else. Maybe someone. Okay, I see that hand. Let's go. Awesome. So Michael was influential in just helping you in your journey, right? Let's give it up for Michael, wherever he might be today. 
We got time for two more. Two more. Someone else. Bring it, brother. What you got? Wow, Johnny, an influence on a middle school young guy, man. Love that. Come on, Johnny, let's go. All right, one more from the middle section. Okay, we'll take you, bro. What do you got? Who do you got? Come on, Steven. Let's go, Steven Seta. Let's celebrate that, baby. Give me one quality about Steven, man. Come on, Steven. Let's celebrate that. Let's go. So here's the deal, church. Today, our, uh, the title of our message is How Big Is Your Circle? And I'm going to challenge you. The, the big idea today is to reclaim the priesthood of all believers. And I, my hope is that you're going to begin to see yourself in fresh new ways in post-Christian times that you would see yourself as that messenger of hope, that person that that. It will, will speak life to people. That person will be, who will be that, that shepherd that, that walks with people and, and, and points them to Jesus in bold, intentional, tangible ways. And so, man, this is no time just for church attenders, man. This is, this is like everybody plays in the kingdom of God. Everybody has a role in the kingdom and he's inviting us to pay it forward. There are other people yet to be impacted with the gospel of Jesus. And they may, they may not be ready to come to church yet. They may not know Pastor Randall, but they know you. And he's going to use you, your one and only life, to impact them. So give someone a high five in your neighborhood right there and just say, just say, good morning, man. Let's do this. All right. All right, go ahead and have a seat. Hey, real quick. For me, it was in third grade. I was this Latino kid in this barrio neighborhood, and there were these two awesome white ladies uh, in my neighborhood. And every Tuesday afternoon, they opened up their home. It was actually Mrs. Standard's house, and Mrs. Henderson uh, would be her assistant. They opened up their uh, Mrs. Standard's house to children in the neighborhood. And they had what was called a good news club. And every week, they would tell brown kids, fat kids, sissy kids, kids who climb on rocks, kids like me in the neighborhood about Jesus. They would tell us these Bible stories that I had never heard of because my family didn't go to church. There were these two um, women from the little Baptist church up the street that were living on mission. They were living on mission. No one told them that, that ministry was just for the professional pastor, the, 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 the guy that, you know, has to pre that preaches on Sunday. They were out there being the church on Tuesday afternoons. Man, all these little kids like me would run in there, jack up their house, make a mess, and, and they just welcomed us and, and, and pointed us to Jesus. And every week at the end of their message, they would share the gospel. And on one Tuesday afternoon, I was one of those brown kids that said yes to Jesus. I'm so glad that Mrs. Henderson 
And Mrs. Standard had room in their circle for brown kids like me. But here's the deal. There are people in your sphere of influence that you might be the only messenger, pastor, shepherd, communicator of the gospel for now. They might be far from God and they're not ready to even come to a a church as cool as Grace City. But they they know you. And they might they might have lunch with you or have coffee with you. And God wants to use your one and only life to be that kind of a shepherd, that kind of a pastor, messenger of hope to people in your sphere of influence. And so today, if you're following along, uh, you can go to the app, uh, the Grace City app and the message notes are in there. If you want to take notes, um, I'd love to have you follow along with me. But here's the deal. Point number one in how big is your circle is expanding your circle is about others. Expanding your circle has to be about others. It's not enough just to do life for ourselves. What's in it for me? I mean, that's the norm. But if you want your one and only life to count, if you want to expand your influence, And do something that will outlive you. We're going to have to be the kind of people that make our circle uh, bigger by making it about others. So in Acts 1.8, the first text there that's on the outline. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power. Turn to your neighbor and say power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So it's not in your power. It's in his power through you, right? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's a big circle. That's a big circle. It starts in your Jerusalem, in this case, he was talking to these early church follower, uh, Christian, uh, Christ followers, and it was starting in Jerusalem, but it was, it was to have an impact in Jerusalem, and it was to emanate beyond Jerusalem and throughout the region of that time, into uh, Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Rooted in Jerusalem but expanding to the ends of the earth. Started in this region, La Jolla, but expanding into Chula Vista and Bonita and Imperial Beach and Lemon Grove and La Mesa and National City and beyond. Like wherever you are, wherever you frequent, wherever you post up during the week at at your favorite coffee shop, like... Posting up, doing your work, but then having that message of hope emanating from your life in that place and beyond. God's word continues to give us our marching orders as Christ followers for expanding our circle and making it about others. In Matthew 25, Matthew 25, 42 to 45, he says, For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. 
I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. How big is your circle? It's interesting this morning, um, I came down early. I live in Santa Ana. Uh, so you know, on a Sunday morning, it was just, uh, no, it wasn't very far. The traffic hadn't kicked in yet. It was a little over an hour to get here. There's a, there's a McDonald's uh, up the road right up here. And, uh, and uh, I roll into McDonald's and just reviewing some of my notes for today's message. And um, really early in the morning, there's a lot of folks, a lot of folks who'd maybe uh, slept out on the street. And as soon as McDonald's opened, they kind of rolled in there to just warm up a little bit and get some coffee. And I found myself with my heart being stretched and actually convicted. That passage I just read, the least of these, I, I, uh, I just I was feeling it. That some of the folks in there, man, it was it was a rough crowd. I'm not going to lie. It was a rough crowd. One dude's walking around kind of asking if anyone needs anything. He was the local dealer, you know, uh, pharmaceutical business on the side that he was hustling. And um, there was this uh, one one young man in particular um, just touched my heart. And uh, finally, after a little while, when things settled down a little bit, um, I, I just, uh, we had, got him some breakfast and I was just able to, um, tell him, uh, just to encourage him that I see you and that you matter. And the dude reaches out and gives me a hug, total stranger, man. He just reached out and gives me a hug. And I say that not to like go, oh, good, good job, Larry. But before that little encounter with him. I was in that McDonald's going, dude, this is a rough spot. The floor's sticky. Virtually every table is a mess and has ketchup. It's not run well. And I was just being all judgy. And then I felt like as I sat in there and I saw the people, I saw the faces, and I imagined some of the stories behind the faces, I felt like God was saying, Larry, how big is your circle for real? It's like one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to be about it. Like, will you be inconvenienced? Will you be out of your comfort zone? Will you be present with people who might be far from me and lost? And seriously, so I want you to know today, I may be the one standing up here delivering this message, but I want you to know that I'm wrestling with this too. I'm preaching to myself this morning too. I'm with you in the struggle. And um, so here we are. Luke 14. The passage goes on to stretch my heart, stretch our hearts, stretch uh, my perspective of how big that circle needs to get in order to reflect the heart of Jesus. So in Luke 14, Jesus is trying to expand the circle of his audience. Kind of like I'm trying to do today. And so here's what Jesus said in Luke 14. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, 
Do not invite just your friends or your brothers or relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the the crippled, the lame, the blind, and then you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. For just a moment, I want to go down this list. Imagine certain people in society, our culture, who are folks that maybe can't repay us. And, 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 and they were never intended to. Jesus just wants us to be his hands and feet, his messengers of hope when it's in our power to do so. And so I want to just take you down a list um, and, and ask each of us, is there room in my circle for people who can't repay me? Is there room in my circle? So number one, if you're following along in the notes, the hungry and the homeless poor. Isaiah 58, 7 in the New Living Translation puts it this way. I want you to share your food with the hungry and to welcome poor wanderers into your homes. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. You know what I wrote in my notes right here? It says, I can do better. I can do better. Can I be honest with you? I, uh, I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. And so at times, um, if I'm around the homeless, my OCD kicks in a little bit and I start like tripping on, um, on, on that kind of side of it. And, and that creates a barrier for me to engage and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's why when I went into the McDonald's this morning, I was focused on the sticky floor. It seemed like someone spilled a soda. Uh, the tables were all messed. And I was just focused on all of that stuff. And I almost missed the opportunity to be a, a messenger of hope to that, that one young man that it looked like he's been on the streets for a minute. Again, I'm saying that because I want you to know I'm a fellow struggler. Like it's one thing to talk about this theoretically, it's another thing to be about this. And so uh, is there room in, in our circle for the hungry and the homeless? Secondly, orphans and widows, orphans and widows. James 1.27 says this, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Is your circle big enough to prioritize the fatherless and the widows in your sphere of influence? You might even translate this as those with an orphan spirit or those with abandonment issues. I have a huge heart for um, kids being raised fatherless. I had a dad physically in my home, but... um, there was a broken, fractured relationship with my dad. And I, I share with people that I had a father wound growing up because my dad didn't have the tools to ever bless me. And so as a result, I have a, I have a father wound, you know, that's still healing. And I have to preach to that part of my brokenness, preach the gospel that I have a heavenly father and, and that I'm a son of the most high God. 
But there are a lot of times where that, that orphan spirit or those, those, uh, those wounds kind of still jack me up. But one thing they do, they make me compassionate when I meet, when I meet people who maybe didn't grow up with a dad in their life. And I try to be a, an encouragement to them. And uh, when my own kids bring some of their friends home and I know this part of their story that maybe there's not a dad in their life, I just, I just have a heart for the fatherless because of my own wounding. And that's partly how God is redeeming my own brokenness in that area. But I say that because maybe God's going to connect you with, with uh, someone who maybe is fatherless or has an orphan spirit or is actually an orphan or a widow. Because I want us to be the hands and feet of Jesus in those spaces. In post-Christian times, we need to look for times and opportunities to practically demonstrate the love of God. Because people are writing off church, they're writing off religion, they're just lumping it all together and they just need to see Christ followers who are about it and have been transformed enough to, to not be religious just religious people, but to be actually living and following the ways of Jesus and living that out, right? Number three, prisoners in the persecuted church. Prisoners in the persecuted church. Hebrews 13.3 uh, 3 says this, Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Is there room in your heart for prisoners? Maybe um, juvenile hall, being a mentor to a kid in juvenile hall near here. Um, I have a friend of mine um, uh, named Jarrett. He's, uh, he's going to plant a church with city to city. But he, got, he had a radical conversion in prison. He served his time, he got out, and um, he's finishing his MA theology, and he's going to plant a church with city to city. Um, but he wants to reach people who, who have once been incarcerated, and when they get out in the L.A. area, he wants to be a, a church where they'll feel welcome and cared for and shepherded and empowered and believed in. Um, and I, I love that about his heart. I have another friend named Carlos. He, uh, he's in Mexico and he serves in the jails, in the prisons in TJ, in the, in the Baja area of Mexico. And I saw Carlos uh, last weekend. I took some of our church planters to Mexico and we built some homes down there um, for a couple of families in need. And I saw Carlos and, and I said, Carlos, what do you need for your ministry? And he said, Larry, man, I'm going to do a a, a retreat inside the prison coming up in a few weeks. And I, I need a better little portable sound system so I can kind of uh, speak and address a larger crowd. And I felt like the Holy Spirit says, hey, you can be part of his prayer. You know, his, you can be part of the answer to his prayer for providing the resources to get that little portable sound system so he can be that messenger of hope to prisoners. So I just bring that up because I don't know how God's going to use you, but I, I do know that um, there are juvenile halls and there are places when, when um, 
um, through prison ministry. Um, uh, when, when people get out, they need someone to believe in them, someone who will meet with them and disciple them one-on-one. And so maybe God is going to pierce your heart. And I'm not going to show of hands if you've ever done a night in jail or anything like that. But man, maybe maybe that will motivate you. You'll remember, man, how how desperate you felt. And maybe that place of compassion will compel you to say, hey, yo, I want to be part of the process to help provide hope for folks coming out of that 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 kind of story. Number four, let me speed it up here. The immigrants and emerging people groups. Immigrants and emerging people groups. These are people who can't repay us. Deuteronomy 10, 19 says, and you are to love those who are aliens. So easy to sometimes, you know, because of some of the things that are broken um, in, in, in our immigration system, it's so easy be, uh, to to just write it off because it's so complex. I'm just going to simplify it and just say this. God's word in Deuteronomy 10, 19a says, and you are to love those who are aliens. So when it's in your power to do so, there's an immigrant, an immigrant community, an immigrant population near you. If you have the capacity to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to speak life, to... To, to provide a meal, to be an encouragement, to provide blankets. I mean, just be about it. Just be about it. Immigrants and emerging people groups. I grew up poor. My dad was a janitor. Before that, he was a migrant farm worker as a child. I find myself a lot of times, um, if I'm in a, a restaurant and someone is like changing uh, the trash bags or cleaning the restroom, I find myself really moved and compelled with compassion because I remember being that kid where my dad would drop me off at different places, different buildings he was cleaning. And from the time I was a little kid, I was dumping trash and dusting desks and phones. And that's where a lot of times the immigrant community, the newly arriving people groups, that's where they start. That's where they they, they get an opportunity. And so I find myself like moved to tears. This even as I'm talking about it, it takes me back to being that little kid that was poor. And, uh, and so I'm so grateful for my roots. I'm so grateful that it still moves me after all these years. But when it's in your power to do so, man, if he's in there cleaning the restroom or whatever, just leave five bucks on the, by the sink and say, Hey, man, maybe I can treat you to lunch. Like, just find a way to, to be gospel-centered people that, 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 that look like Jesus, if you will, by our actions, by our intentionality. Number five, the weak, the sick, and the prodigals. The weak, the sick, and the prodigals. I love this verse um, from Ezekiel 34 in the New Living. It says, You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. Searched for the lost. Do you have anyone that's a friend of yours that is maybe far from God right now? 
Maybe some of you, the Holy Spirit chased hardcore after you before, before you slowed down and surrendered. But I just love that about the heart of God, how he goes after the strays and the lost. You guys just did a sermon series through the lost coin and the prodigal son, I believe. But I, that's the heart of God. And I just think sometimes there's people in our lives, if we're honest, I, I wrote the letters EGR, extra grace required. <laughs> you got any friends like that or family members that a little extra grace required? Um, you don't have to yell their name out or anything like that. But, um, but sometimes that's, that's what it, you know, that's just where they are. And, and sometimes, like, we've been those people. We've been those people before, high maintenance, extra grace required kind of people. And the gospel is still rubbing off some of the edges in us. But maybe you remember at a time when you were hard to shepherd and you were running from God and your, your trauma from your past, the pain from your past was keeping you from surrendering to God. And now you do know God's love for you. And now it's time to turn around and go after some of those people. It might be that brother or that cousin. And they just need someone to love them enough to chase after them, take them to eat, remind them that you love them, that you see them. Remind them that they can't outrun the grace of God. Remind them that they can't outrun the grace of God. Sometimes people just need to know that as much as they're running, that God's on a search and restore mission, not a search and destroy mission. And sometimes he wants to use people like us to be those messengers. All right. Second part of the message. Not only is expanding um, your circle, making it about others, but secondly, expanding your circle is about radically doing the stuff of Jesus. Write that in your notes. Expanding your circle is about radically doing the stuff of Jesus radically doing the stuff of Jesus. So can I just tell you to follow Jesus is not always convenient. Straight up. There will be disruptions. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, I promise you there will be disruptions. Um, there, there, will be God, there will be kingdom assignments that he has for us that won't be convenient. So don't be surprised. Because that's really the challenge of being the hands and feet of Jesus. To expand our circle, it means that we're going to have to be willing to, to be disrupted from our plan and the structures that we're, and the timelines or whatever, our schedules. It's not convenient sometimes to help someone. There might be someone where you're running to a meeting, but God provides a, a kingdom assignment for you to be the hands, His hands and feet a, a, a pastor, a shepherd, if you will, that believer priest. And you might have to text someone or call someone and say, hey, I'm going to be about 30 minutes late. Uh, I'll explain later. And you stay present with that person. It might be that person's moment where they needed to, they needed to hear from you. They needed to feel seen by you because that represented God taking time to see them as well. Could it be that sometimes God wants to expand our hearts and our circle, 
but he's going to call us to do the stuff, to radically do the stuff of Jesus. Man, just think of Jesus' life. Culturally speaking, sees the woman at the well. Culturally speaking, he's not supposed to talk to that woman, and he's certainly, you know, um, supposed to be um, offended by her lifestyle. He's, he, he's not worried about that. He's worried about the message of hope he wants to deliver to that woman for her to see seen, to feel seen, and to feel valued. There might be people in your life, or I promise you, there will be people in your life that he wants, he wants you to minister to who may be far from God right now and just need to know that, that God sees them and loves them. If I can say it again, in these post-Christian times, it's essential that we demonstrate the gospel beyond the four walls of the church. We demonstrate the gospel. We need to be living it. Like Sunday mornings are when we come in and we celebrate and we connect. And then when we, at the end, after the benediction and, and you're released, it's like you're running to the line of scrimmage to say, God, how can I be your hands and your feet? How can I rep you in a world that, frankly, doesn't trust church, religion, but desperately needs to see Jesus being lived out and Jesus' values. I think if, if the world could see Jesus for who he is in the scripture and not through uh, just who, for the perceptions they have of the church or religious people that have in the past that, that have kind of maybe not been their best selves or the best example of Jesus, I think people would be compelled because Jesus was so down, man. Jesus was, Jesus was amazing how he engaged people um, beyond what was convenient and beyond just by making judgments on the outside. He looked at the heart. So Matthew 9, 35. Matthew 9, 35 and 36 says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That word compassion, splankidzomai, it, 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 uh, it talks about being moved from the deepest part of your being. Like when your heart truly breaks, like when, when you're feeling such deep compassion and concern for someone at your innermost being, that, that you serve out of that place. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Can you envision yourself shepherding people or pastoring people? Like, like when you leave today and you see people that are maybe just having a tough time of it, or maybe in, uh, near where you live, like the... the the single mom that's just struggling with the two kids and like, how can you be the hands and feet of Jesus to be support and a friend on the journey? Like finding those tangible ways to shepherd people. Matthew 9, the next text, puts it this way. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. 
Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, in the next verse, all of a sudden he follows him, and then all of a sudden Matthew is so, something clicked, and he's on mission with Jesus all of a sudden. So now he's, he's throwing a backyard barbecue at his house, right, with all his friends. And, and the text says, he, uh, Matt, um, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the disciples saw this, I'm sorry, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Again, Jesus is so down. He's just so gracious and down to earth. Well, here's where I want to land the plane. 1 Peter 2.9. I want you to see yourself. This is, a, a, this is one of the key verses and texts from 1 Peter 2 that undergird the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. This is a doctrine that's, in my opinion, not talked about enough. And the church, especially here in the West, has for 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 a long time, overly depended on professional pastors from the front. And it's why the church, um, big C, while the church, why the church hasn't been as effective in our neighborhoods and communities, it hasn't had the transformative effect, is because Christ followers have become church attenders that have been content, especially my generation, boomers, just wanted a big box experience to watch a very eloquent communicator from up front, not me, but others, um, kind of teach God's word. And it was more about information than it was ever transformation and discipleship. And so as a result, um, we didn't have the impact on the culture as much because we were overly dependent on watching the professional pastor lead instead of understanding that we are all believer priests. So here's what 1 Peter 2.9 says. It says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. The priesthood of all believers. We are all believer priests. The death that Jesus died on the cross, it, 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 it broke the, the barrier that, that kept us from having relationship directly with God the Father. And so because of the gospel, because of the, the generosity of the Father through the Son, He's made a way where we could all have relationship with Him. And as such, we could all have relationship with him, but we can also all be empowered to serve him. So here's what I want you to see. The doctrine of the priesthood of all believers teaches that every Christian has the equal potential to minister for God. Every Christian has equal potential to minister for God. 
Some, uh, some professional pastors may have more theological training or what have you, but I just want to break down the barrier today that there aren't professional pastors and then laity and only the professional pastors can, can minister for God. I want us all to see ourselves that everybody plays in the kingdom of God. Everybody plays. There are people that you have relationship with. Some of you might be a, a barista and your pulpit is that counter where, where you're, you're dealing, you know, you're, uh, you, you know, you're serving coffee and you're smiling uh, to them or you have your headset on because you're running the drive through and, and, and your voice and, your, and, and how you reflect, you know, encouragement through your inflection and your voice. You're shining light to people. You're speaking life and hope to, to people. Some of you might be in the marketplace and, and God wants, wants you to know that your role in the kingdom matters and there's people you have relationship with and you're going to be like a shepherd. You're going to be like a pastor to them in their time of need. They might not be ready to come to church quite yet, but you're pastoring them already out there. You're a believer priest out there. You're that shepherd. Can I challenge you to, from whatever that, that place is, can you, can you imagine yourself more boldly praying for someone, offering to pray for someone? Can you imagine yourself uh, taking someone to lunch and then look for a way to share your story and then possibly from your story bridging to the gospel? Could you be like Matthew and host a backyard barbecue and invite people for the summer? And could you be those folks that, that provide a, a great meal and, and maybe share your story with some people? Could you be from, as a research assistant, as a student, wherever you find yourself on the daily, will you be his hands and feet? Would you dare to do the stuff of Jesus? Here's how I want to live this out. I, um, I brought these little mirrors. And um, what I wanted to do is um, to get... Get yourself to see yourself as more. Got a thumbprint on this one already. I want, I want the mirror to represent like, how can we see ourselves as more? Like, God might want to use your one and only life in, to matter to some, your, your neighbor or to someone you work with or your friend uh, who you went to college with, but they're kind of drifting. Someone that got really in some dark places during COVID is battling depression. I, I, I don't know all the stories. I wish I could nuance it for you so you could feel like God is speaking to you when we leave this, this place today. But I, I just thought, well, maybe, maybe for those that might feel called to be more intentionally on mission, maybe you'd come and just take a, 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 a little mirror and put it somewhere in a prominent place, you know, that has a little plate, you know, glue it to the wall where you study or, you know, put it kind of where, where you, your workstation, put your coffee on it or something, I don't know. And, but, but remind yourself, like, I want to see myself as more. I want to see myself as a believer priest. 
I'm going to see myself as a pastor to those in my sphere of influence. I want to see myself as a shepherd, as someone who speaks life to others. So today as a way, just before I close in prayer, I'm going to leave this little basket of, uh, of little uh, mirrors up here. And if, if, if you just say, hey, Larry, um, I want my circle to expand. I want to have a bigger circle for people in need. And I want to, I want to do radical stuff sometimes, even though I'm scared. I want, to, I want to do the stuff of Jesus. I may not do it perfectly. What if someone asks me a question I don't know the theological answer to? Okay. Just say it. You know, that's a great question. I don't know the answer. But I'm going to try to find out. And let's meet again next week. Let's, let's throw it around some more. Right? I mean, it doesn't have to be that big a deal. Anyone willing to come and, and just join me up here? I'm going to leave this basket here. You're willing to just take a, a mirror and just say, hey, I want to see myself as more. I want to be on mission with Jesus more intentionally. And maybe you're already doing this, and this is just a way you can kind of solidify it and remember what we talked about today. I'm just going to take about a minute, and, and, uh, um, and then I'm going to close this in prayer. Anyone willing to come up and take a... Take a, a little mirror. You go, girl. You're a champion for Jesus. Come on. Come on. There you go. T- help yourself. You're so welcome. God bless you guys. See yourself as more. Bless you. See yourself as more. The mission of God is not just for people who have theological degrees. Look at the disciples that he first called in the book of Acts. The Pharisees were trying to squash these guys. They were trying to move, uh, squash the move of God, the movement of God that was birthing there and being birthed in Jerusalem. And all that these religious people could say, the Pharisees and Sadducees, all that they could say was, these men have been with Jesus. Like they weren't the, the highly educated, theologically trained, but they had been with Jesus. And God wants to use you in your one and only life. See yourself as more. You're a believer priest. You're not, just a, you're not a church attender, man. That's not the goal. We're on mission with Jesus. And the truth is there's people's lives hanging in the balance. I may never have the privilege of meeting your friends, but that's okay because Jesus has sent you. He sent you. So today I hope you're... Your heart's been stretched to see yourself on mission with Jesus. The the circle of your heart, you're making room for others. My hope is that one day, if, if the opportunity ever presents itself, there's people in your life whose stories have yet to be written by the power of the gospel or rewritten. And one day, if given an opportunity Someone might ask them, hey, what's the name of that person who God used to introduce you to Jesus? I hope there's going to be stories shared in eternity that you were one of those bold and courageous people who said, man, I want to see myself as more. I want to, I'm reluctant, but I want to be that Lord because of the work of the finished work on the cross. I want to see myself as a believer priest that you want to use my one and only life. 
to point people to you. So as you leave today, may our hearts expand. Uh, May you have eyes to see the need in people, the pain in their story that would lead you to respond compassionately with care. There's people whose stories have yet to be written and somehow God wants to use even us. Even us. Imperfect, broken people to point others to Jesus and the good news of his finished work on the cross. To that end, let me pray for us and then uh, we'll close this out in worship. Father, I just uh, thank you for these choice daughters and sons of yours that love you and are here today on a memorial weekend to say, Father, use me, use my life. God, I want to I reflect your heart. God, I, I commission everyone in this room, God, I commission them as pastors and shepherds, as believer priests, because of the your goodness, because of the goodness of the gospel, because of Jesus' work on the cross, you've empowered each and every one of us to be your servants. So just like you use Matthew, in a, in a moment he responds to you in the, the next verse we see, Jesus, you're at, you're at Matthew's house with all his unchurched friends and you're just hanging with them and and, and letting them get to know you and your message of hope. God, would you use us as those kind of servant leaders, believer priests, in Jesus' name. And all God's believer priests said, amen. All that was weak. And all God's believer priests said, amen. All right, all right. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.